Can you hear me? All good there. This one's a bit soft. Am I right there, Philip? Chris, can you hear me? All good. All right. Can't hear me. Okay, I can't help that. <laughs> um, all right, everyone. If you have your Bibles, turn with them to Ephesians chapter 6. And if you want to put your finger by Romans 8 and Romans 6, uh, you know, I'll read those passages. But if you want to read along with me in those, that's where we'll be. And while you get your Bibles prepped, I think in the church Bible, if you have it, it's page 328, we'll get you to Ephesians and just find chapter 6. As we make the downhill run on our conclusion of Ephesians chapter 6. If you've missed the previous messages, remember it's all on our podcast uh, through Spotify or through YouTube channel. You can catch up with us then. Um, but today we're looking particularly at another piece of artillery that we have in Christ Jesus as we consider the whole armor of God. Um, but before we do that, I just want to, to sort of get you the context of who we are in God. And how has Ephesians described us Christians who have taken this gospel to heart? Okay, In Ephesians we're called holy people, chosen people, a predestined people. A redeemed people, a sealed with the Holy Spirit people. Tremendous power in the people of God. Uh, Ephesians tells us that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. How formidable is that? We're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. The Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit with God. The Christian has the fullness of God. The Christian is created in Christ to do good works. Now, that's what we are in Christ. Amen. That's just what's been described in Ephesians alone. And there, I mean, these words transcend to, to great and powerful realities. But, folks, despite that, we come to Ephesians chapter 6, and knowing all that, having all that, believing all that, exercising all that in faith, we are told, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And we unpacked, you know, the arsenal of the enemy a few weeks ago. So despite having all that, believing all that, acting out all this good doctrine, Hey, good doctrine that makes a difference in our hearts. It's a daily battle. It's 50-51. You know, whether you're going to win or lose. Isn't that amazing? Tomorrow could be a very bad day. Maybe it's been that kind of week for you. Tomorrow you could just get thumped by the enemy. The scheme, which is invincible and unknown, just explodes in your face. And there you are, fallen, broken. And all those adjectives, all that belief, all that theology just seems unreal, impossible, unknowable. So, I mean, despite our knowledge of God, despite our theology of God, friends, Paul would have us know that, friends, it is still a battle and you could be a loser any day. You could be a loser any day. Now we know, not every day is an up and down and a, you know, a false hope or a wish or a hope. We know that what God starts, He will finish. We know that. We know that we will be faultless before the throne room of God. And by Christ alone, 
He will protect us and keep us. What God starts, He will finish. But until that day, beloved, it's a battle. It's a battle. And so what we are taking on today, this, this next piece of artillery, I just wanted to set that, that mood again. That this is urgent. This is real. This is critical. Christians alone take life seriously. Christians alone think about life and reality. What's come through the name of Jesus Christ into your heart, friends, is forgiveness and grace and salvation. Amen? But it has also come with wisdom and power and strength and discernment and great knowledge to live every day. So you win 51 more often than the 50. But make no mistake, until that day, we could lose badly. And so that's why this is so critical. And today we come to, alright, stand firm then, verse 14, we saw last week with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, comma, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. And that's what we're going to unpack today. I don't have to go on too much and describe what a breastplate is. Would look like you understand what a breastplate would look like. Paul is in prison, he's looking at breastplates all day long. These big coverings on a Roman sh soldier, which when, when he graduated from a Roman school, you know, lived in it, slept in it, ate in it, he did everything in that breast. It never came off. You, you don't take it off and throw it at your enemy, it just stays on. It stays on. And uh, depending on your on your capacity, maybe it was made of just scale metal, or if you could afford it, it was in bronze. You know, the real Mercedes-Benz kind of version. But anyway, that, that was on, and that was covering pretty something critical. I mean, your, your heart, for one thing, and, and you know, all your insides, all your bowels, for another. I mean, that's pretty critical. You can get an arrow through the arm, I mean, you could, you could be alright. An arrow through the leg, perhaps you'll be okay. But things get very complicated if you've got internal injuries and bleeding. I mean, and really it's hopeless if the heart is in any way compromised. Understand, right? So we don't have to elaborate on how critical the breastplate was. But as Paul is looking to the breastplate of righteousness, he's also thinking it's critical for us because at the center of you and I, you know, we have the heart. And our heart, I mean, that's core. That's core. That's who we are. Right? It's who we are. You know, what we think matters because it's, it's in our heart. And that's critical to have protected. And when the Bible talks about bowels and that, it, it really talks about feelings. You know, when Jesus is moved with compassion, the word there is, he's moved, his, his bowels, he's moved so much to have compassion on others. He's moved inside. So, in a very simple way, you could say that this breastplate of righteousness makes you formidable and when you put it on because it's, it's got to do with your heart and it's got to do with your, your bowels. It's got to do with what you think and how you feel. And think about that. How you think and how you feel, it's very important to have that protected, to be made strong. Now, we have put on a new identity in Jesus Christ, Ephesians 4, 20, 22, 24. We've let go of the old man and put on the new man. That's what we've put on, but that needs another putting on. And it's this putting on, this breastplate of righteousness, a better thinking 
a better feeling, a better emotion. So it's critical to have this on. Again, because the goal is to be formidable against the enemy's schemes. And if his schemes can come to us in thought, if his schemes can come to us in emotion, which they often do, always do, it's a combination of those things, maybe one degree to another, somewhat greater, but always a combination of those things. So our thinking and our feelings, but in the breastplate in Christ, and in Christ with the breastplate of righteousness, solid. Solid. Amen? Solid. All those things, chosen, predestined, redeemed, filled with God, fullness of God, created in Christ to do good works, blessed with all spiritual heavenly blessings, and with the breastplate of righteousness, right thinking, right feeling, that's the artillery for the believer. I want that. Amen? Who doesn't want that? I want that. I want that. Just read Psalm 1. That's what it's describing. Blessed is the one who meditates on the law of God day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of living water. Everything he does is productive. He is beautiful. He's sustainable. He's a blessing to others. It's all connected. That's all that's withheld out with the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's why he's the beautiful one. He's the beautiful one. So, as we unpack this breastplate of righteousness, let's understand that I think today... Today, when we say righteousness, it's, there's a problem there already. Because when we talk about righteousness, it, it's got a negative connotation. You know, it's, like, it's not a positive thing. It's more like, uh, you know, condescending or pride or, or self-righteous. You know, someone that's above, superior than, than others. You know, maybe a bit of, of cockiness and pride, holier than thou, something condescending. Okay? So we need to sterilize this word and just this word, righteousness, and what it means, okay? The meaning of righteousness is to be up to spec, to be up to standard, to be approved to be right with someone. And approved in the eyes of the superior. In other words, you've passed inspection and you're acceptable. Okay, so let's just sterilize that and get that nice and clear. Righteousness Never mind the pride, the cockiness, the holier than now, the condescending, the negative connotations. It's passing the expectation of the significant other. Think about that. Passing the inspection of the significant other. Hmm. And so that leads me to talk about a sad righteousness. A sad righteousness. Because actually... Since we were born, we've been desperate for that kind of righteousness, haven't we? Since we were born. We've been trying to be acceptable, trying to be up to standard, trying to be up to spec by someone else. It could have been a mom and dad. Think of the lasting effects trying to win the approval of mom and dad has on a child, never mind if they're past 18 for some, it, it affects their whole life. Think about a parent trying to win the approval of their children. It can go with them their whole life. Or there are facets. There are many eyes, many eyes, many standards. You could uh, work standards. Trying to get the approval of it. It's what we teach our kids, you know. Trying to pass the grade. Be acceptable. Hit the mark, you know. So it's, it's, it's schooling, it's work, it's relationships. 
It's, and I say it's very sad because that's what we're driven by. Heaven help any of us feel, experience shame. We don't, we don't want shame. That's why we all dressed properly this morning. <laughs> we don't want shame. Husbands, who was asked, do I look okay, love? Do I look okay? What? I mean, we ask the same question. We just don't ask, do I look okay? We look in the mirror and say, oh, do we look okay? Because we're all running from shame. We all want this righteousness to pass the grade to escape shame. And so, even as I was re replaying the tape of my own life, I'm thinking, you know, brought up in a real, uh, real conservative, very strict, yes, okay, tenanted, legalistic kind of church, Wednesday night church, Sunday morning church, Sunday night church, and now I wore ties to all those events from the age of six. Those clip-on ties. They were so cool. You just clipped them on. We looked our best. We did our best. And so that kind of trajectory went with me all my life, trying to win the approval of, you know, the, the pastor or the preacher, the teacher, the Sunday school teacher, and winning the approval of my parents. It went through uh, up to school, always trying to win the approval of something else. And then when I went on a date, oh, I got to run from shame. I, um, at that time, I was dating Nadia and I had acne. I remember the acne I had. Oh, if any of you have suffered from acne, it's, it's not a great thing. And I had it all over my neck and my back. And it was for two years. I just always covered it. It was covered. You know, I don't want shame. I just want to fit in. I just want to be with everybody. And then I'm on this date. Do I talk too much? Do I talk too little? You know? <laughs> and then I'm going to ask her to marry me. Oh, I've got to pass this test. I've got to be accepted. I've... I've got to have that righteousness. Do I have the righteousness? Will she say yes? And she did. Right. And then it all came out. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I, I just say the story because... Alright, now we understand righteousness. We're, we're all pursuing some form of righteousness. Some standard, some approval, some acceptance. And there are a number of different eyes, different standards, different specs. Trying to please and we're hustling. We've been hustling. Parents' approval, children's approval, peers' approval, your own approval. Your own approval. Culture's approval. Church approval. And to one degree or another, just afraid not to be accepted. Covering every blemish, covering every spot. Everyone wants righteousness. No one wants to be exposed. No one. So it's sad. It's sad because we're told in Genesis 2 and 3, the source this, this is where it, it's, it's forever. It's universal. Adam and Eve in relationship with God, in relationship with one another, perfect relationship with creation. It's, it's all unified. No shame, no guilt, no hiding. Perfect righteousness. This way, that way. It's, it's just perfect. Satan comes in. God doesn't want your best. You know the story. Be your own God. Right? Satan comes in. Sin falls out. And what do we have immediately after that? Unrighteousness. Unrighteousness with God. Unrighteousness with God. Shame. Not meeting the standard. Not meeting the spec. Not even meeting the spec or standard or acceptance of one another. And so they run and they get the leaves and they cover themselves. And we've been covering ourselves with leaves ever since the beginning. Just leaves. Now think about it. 
All those standards that we run, those eyes that we try to please, are just leaves, actually. Just our own self-righteous leaves. Self-right. Now, now that self-righteousness. It's not that one isolated guy or girl that thinks they're holier than others. It's everyone. We're all self-righteous. We're all dressed with our own camo of, of righteousness. Right? It's sad. It's very sad. But it's bad. That's my next point. It's very bad. Why is this sad search for righteousness bad? It's bad because you're not just dealing with shame this way. Who else is looking at you? The eyes of God. The eyes of God are looking. The standard is broken. The specs are high. Hebrews 4 verse 13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Think about that. Nothing in creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. That's bad. Well, it's bad for me. I don't know about you. I, I know it's bad. Jesus says in Luke 23, listen to this. On the last day, people will say to the mountains, fall over us, cover us, hide us from the face of the one who is on the throne. When, when that day comes, unrighteousness is going to be right. All the leaves, no matter how beautiful or big or colorful, Whatever they've done in their life, for, for whatever righteousness, approval that they've sought of, and there are thousands of levels, many facets, no matter how decorative, or how significant, or how popular, or how expensive. Even an atheist has righteousness because they've planned not to believe. That's their righteousness. I have no plan. It, when it comes to that bar, they will want to be covered. That's bad. Amen? Is that bad? It's bad. It's bad because billions of people are hustling every day for this righteousness, this acceptance, this making the mark. Making no effort to please the one whose ultimate approval. That's why the Bible says, none is righteous. None. Romans 3. None is righteous. Right. But Christians... We need to be putting on this breastplate of righteousness. You'd think now, okay, I've put on Jesus Christ, I have it. And you do. You have whatever Jesus has, you have. But we're then told to dress it. Dress it with the breastplate of righteousness. Why? Because, Christian, you're just going to change leaves. You're going to put off old leaves, okay, whatever, whatever standards they were, and you're going to put on new standards. You know, new church Christian stuff. Christian leaves. Okay, okay. Jesus, thank you. I'm going to take, you know, my Bible knowledge and my songs and my dress and my less swear words and my, my better behavior, my better moods, my better attitudes. My, I'm going to slow down with my vehicle. I'm not going to be so angry anymore. I'm, gonna, I'm putting on all these leaves. Christian, dress yourself in the breastplate of righteousness. Another kind of righteousness. Not that. Because you've put off that old self. In fact, when you come to know Christ, you're not only repented of all the bad 
You also repented of everything good you turned from. You know that's not righteousness. I can't work to be approved by God. Now that doesn't mean we don't do good things. Christians, we all do good things. Alright? We do good things wholeheartedly. Work on your swearing. Work on your anger. If you can, drop the cigarettes. Kids, no vaping. Okay? Uh, you know, and on and on. Work hard at that. But you're not trusting in that to save you. Amen? There's a big difference. You work. You're not a slave to sin. You're a slave to righteousness now. And you work wholeheartedly at it. You get up and you go again and you go again and you go again. But you're not trusting in that to save you. Those are leaves. What breastplate have you put on? The breastplate of righteousness. And now I'm going to get to that. What do you mean real righteousness? We've uh, you know, sterilized the word. We've looked at how sad it is and how bad it is. Okay. Now, what's the plan? What's the plan? Romans 10. I'll just read it to you. Romans 10, 3 to 4. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. That's true righteousness. Friends, what you have in Jesus Christ is the standard is the speck, is the acceptance. It is the righteousness. It's not sad. It's not bad. It's the best righteousness. It is the capital T righteousness. It's the only righteousness that God will accept. Your leaves, no matter how few swear words there are in there, or how few bad attitudes, or how many church attendance, however much you did for the poor, they're leaves compared to the breastplate of Christ's righteousness. Are you dressing in that every day, every day? True righteousness. Remember when we got dressed the first time in Ephesians 4.22, we put off the old self. We put on the new self which God created in Christ for us. And what was it dripping in this new creation? It was dripping in righteousness and holiness. Just dripping in it. You've put that on the first time. Now you dress it and make it stronger with the breastplate of righteousness. Like, well, what do you mean, Pastor? 2 Corinthians 5.21 This is what I mean. Yeah, that's right. 2 Corinthians 5.21 no. God made Him, Jesus Christ, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ, His nature had no sin. So how could He be sin? He didn't become sin naturally. He became sin legally. Legally he became sin. We were in sin legally and by nature. 
we got the perks of Christ's nature. He received the perks of our nature. There was a big exchange. This righteousness was given to us, exchanged through Jesus Christ. He took on our legality and therefore took on our penalty. We take His freedom, His life, His acceptance, His standard, His righteousness. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That liability was transferred. He takes on our liability, we take on His liability. He had no liability. That's what we have. Romans 4, 4-5 Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. That's understandable. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. So we don't work for this righteousness. Leaves don't count. You receive this righteousness. So everyone, if you're telling your children, if you're conveying to them this righteousness, this Jesus Christ, don't tell them to get their act together before they meet Jesus. Get to Jesus. He will get their act together. Jesus is the gift. Jesus is the righteousness. Jesus is the standard. That's the spec. He's the acceptance. No matter what you do before that. None of that counts. Amen? Right. You repent. You repent of all your bad and you repent of all your good. You trust Jesus alone for this righteousness. This breastplate of righteousness in Christ. You want This breastplate is actually described in Ephesians. Already, when husbands, when he was talking about how husbands ought to love their wives, look at this, Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Beautiful righteousness. That's the righteousness in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the breastplate. Compare that to your leaves. I want Mercedes Benz righteousness. I want this one. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. Any shame in there? Any guilt in there? Any unrighteousness? Nothing. That's all in the name of Jesus Christ. And you dress in that breastplate every day. Every day. That's true righteousness given to us. Theologians call that imputed. It's imputed in you. You have it. You have it. But it has to come out. If this new creation is dripping in righteousness, and we're given righteousness, it's punched, in, tattooed into our hearts, then what do you think flows from a new creation, a chosen, predestined, blessed people, filled with God, filled with the Holy Spirit? What comes out of one that has been marked by, born with, soaking in righteousness? 
It's logical. That child will look righteous, be righteous, speak righteous, do righteousness. Amen? Right. But make this straight. You first receive this righteousness and it's exercised. You don't earn this righteousness. And that's how I'll conclude the message as we look at the more practical ways of letting this out. We put this on. What does it look like? Where is it going to take us? Right. Here's one example. You're feeling low. You're feeling low. Or even depressed. The self-righteous Christian would tell you, stop sinning and repent. It's a half-truth. The lazy Christian would probably say, Ah, God loves you just as you are. Don't change a thing. <laughs> Friends, the one that has been dressed in Jesus Christ and the one that has the breastplate, put the breastplate of righteousness on. In other words, change your breastplate. So, what is the disappointment? What is the disappointment that you don't have? What is the shame? What is the speck you're not meeting? The standard you're not attaining? What was the verdict that you got? Did you fail? Were you not good enough? Did something drop? Okay. Even if you had it, even if you met the speck, had the approval, got the grant, you know, it happened. It's still a leaf. Change your breastplate of righteousness. My parents never accepted me. Even if they did, it's still a leaf. My kids don't accept me. Even if they did, it's a leaf. I didn't make the grade. Even if you did, it's a leaf. I wasn't good enough, etc. I was rejected. Replace the breastplate of righteousness. You're no longer a sad, self-righteous person. You're a glad, righteous person. Amen? Change the breastplate. Young people, you're going to have a hundred, thousands of verdicts. You're not good enough. You didn't make the grade. You're substandard. You're not quite there yet. You know, it's just going to come. And it's, it's not going to stop. This is life. You know, shame. <laughs> we can't keep our kids, you know, in a cage and protect them from all the negativity and the failure. They have to go out and get robust themselves and learn that grit on their own. But we have a breastplate of righteousness in Jesus Christ. Men, if you're looking at the mirror... What are you convincing yourself? I mean, when you look at the mirror, don't say uh, anymore. You know, I'm, I'm okay. I don't do drugs. I'm fine. No. I'm a moral person. I'm a good guy. I'm a family man. I provide for my family. Those are all leaves. You look in the mirror and you say, thank you, Jesus. I'll take your breastplate of righteousness. I've met your standard. I'm approved. I'm with you, in you, and for you. Amen? That's who I am. That's in my thinking. That's in my emotions. That's protecting me. That has me. I'm formidable. Yes, I'm a good man. I'm a moral man. I try to work hard. I don't do drugs. You know, I'm a deacon. Good. <laughs> Those are all just leaves though. Nothing of that can get you approved with God. So what do you do? You failed. I fail. I'm going to fail tomorrow. I want you to preach this self to Romans chapter 6. Because it's got to stop. It's got to stop. The sin has to stop. Otherwise, it's like ice by the pool on the pavement in Durban in February. What does that look like? 
It, it's just water. It's just, it doesn't even get there. You just drop the ice and it just melts. And you're just going to melt. You keep sinning. And what does the Bible say? You keep sinning and then your mind is handed over. Then your heart is handed over. Then your hands get handed over to who? The devil. Then your feet get handed over. You just melt. You just melt. It's got to stop. You were made to be formidable. You were made to be chosen of God, blessed of God, predestined of God, filled with God. You know, a new creation doing good works. How do you stop this melting? Romans chapter 6. It's what you preach to yourself. Oh, sorry, Romans chapter 8. Sorry, everyone. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whose God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who is raised to life. It is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 37. No, in all these we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. That's how it stops. Good, solid truth for the heart. I'm convinced now that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, no matter who says what, no matter what the negative verdict, no matter what the failure, no matter what the shame, no matter the blemish, physical, psychological, social, whatever it was, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. You preach that to yourself. That's the breastplate of righteousness there. Covered the heart, covered the thinking, covered the, the mind, covered the feelings and the moods. Yes, you confess to God. Yes, you repent. But you look to Him. You look to Him again. And again. And again. You put on the breastplate. You've already put on Christ. That's once off. You put on the breastplate every day. Every hour, you keep putting on that breastplate. You keep putting on His righteousness and be strengthened. And as you keep trusting in Him and His righteousness, as you keep obeying Him, trusting in His promises, trusting in, his, in the life that you've just read, that you've been received, that righteousness starts to eke out. The ice will not melt so much. It'll have purpose. It'll have tension. It'll be robust. And now your life will mean something for someone else. Your life will be a vessel for someone else. Because now it's in the purposes of God. Amen? But make no mistake, it's the breastplate of His righteousness that makes you that formidable. Not your leaves. Not your leaves. You have left that sad state. You've escaped that bad state. And now you're in a perfect state. With the Mercedes-Benz version so if you're bitter here this morning, you need to change your breastplate of righteousness. It's just a leaf. If you're guilty, change your breastplate. Because it's just a leaf. If you work too hard, workaholic, change your breastplate. 
It's just a leaf. If you're disappointed, there's ample, ample opportunity for disappointment. If you're offended, change your breastplate. It's just a leaf. If you're self-conscious, just a leaf. Change your breastplate. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. We have seen afresh just exactly what the gospel has brought to our lives. It has brought forgiveness of sin. It has brought pardon. It has brought a new legal standing before a holy and almighty God. And we thank you for that. But it has also endowed us with a formidability. It has given us an armory in this power. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And we pray that more often than not, our minds would be changed. That we would be preached to by the truth of God. And that having our hearts now settled and secured in the truth of God, our emotions would be settled. And that, Lord, being made formidable, we would be able to make our stand against the devil's schemes. No longer giving leverage to his schemes and his desires. No longer being in pain and causing more pain. Father, forgive us how we thought these leaves could bring life. We hold on to them so desperately, but killing ourselves and killing others. Forgive us, Father, for the pain we've caused families. The pain we've caused co-workers. The pain we've caused church members. For what? And you have given us a breastplate of righteousness. Father, help us to exchange this daily. And now that we see the darkness for what it is and the truth for what it is, suit us up. And would we find in time a harvest of righteousness. We would find a formability, pillars of strength, salt, and like you say, stars in the skies that are no longer, not just blessed personally, but blessing others, making a difference in this world, which it so desperately needs. Help us, Father, to put a spoke in the sad state. Help us, Father, to bring light to the bad state. And Lord Jesus, by your grace and with one another, we go forward. Amen. Amen. Thank you, beloved, for your time.